Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. This is Paul Hawksby. Andy Jacobs. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily. Some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We have loads of studio guests in. We'll bring you did. Uh, a couple of those, including Chris Packham. Yes. Who was... Um, very timely visit. It's yeah. about climate. Uh, quite well, serious, but quite yeah. reasonable at the same time. Yeah. So um, Chris was uh, weighing in on certain things. Uh, we also uh, had a bit of a chat ourselves, of course. And yes. Graham Bell, the former Olympic skier turned uh, commentator from Ski Sunday, was here. Yeah. And uh, we relived um, uh, an incident uh, <laughs> on the piste with Andy, which was quite troubling. Very true. So uh, here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Can I just say that any opinions that I offer today will be, in my great and unmatched wisdom, absolutely correct. Really? Okay. <laughs> Where's that come from? Trump. Do you not oh, see okay. that? Oh, okay. No, I didn't oh, see that, that quote. Tweet. It's all over the place. Yeah. It's unbelievable. He says, in my great and unmatched wisdom yeah. about himself. He's sensational, isn't he? Well, that's a man you often uh, think of when it comes to great and unmatched wisdom, isn't it? It's often uh, the first name. Of course it is. And, first uh, name you think of. And talking of great world leaders. I can, love we, can you just hold that thought before yes, you go into yes, your uh, day of uh, satirical highlights? <laughs> Because uh, <laughs> yeah. South Africa have been playing Canada at oh, rugby. Yeah. Oh, who won? Uh, let's find <laughs> out. Mike Boville with a full-time uh, report. Yes, Paul, no surprise at the result. South Africa 66, Canada 7. The Springboks joining England and France in the quarterfinals. Japan, Ireland or Scotland now await in the last eight. It is finished in Pool B. South Africa 66, Canada 7. Ooh, Thanks very much, folks. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was tough. They say we were down at fourteen men, which made it harder, wasn't it? Um, uh, fire has just been announced. Not altogether surprising. There's been a lot of talk about uh, this one, and it should be quite spicy, uh, as will the build-up. Derek Chisora will fight David Price at the O2 Arena on the 26th of October. That'll so, be good, you saw uh, his yeah. box office and price on his way back a bit. So, yeah, yeah, so that good. will be an interesting fight. So there we are. Excellent. It, uh, so anyway, Andy, you, you were saying... Yes, uh, I was talking about uh, Trump there. Now I'm going to talk about Putin. That's the sort of bloke I am. Yeah. And I love the new photos of uh, Vladimir Putin to it's celebrate... great nick for seven, Trump. 67, isn't he? He's so smooth, isn't Alabaster he? Alabaster skin. He must get gone. through a ton of oil of ule, or it is. Or ole. <laughs> ole, ole. Uh, ole, ole. Ole, ole. I think it became... It used to be ule, but then it was Ole. It's become Ole. Okay. And they've changed... Spangles aren't about anymore. <laughs> they changed the song. And their starbursts <laughs> now are the uh, the opal fruits, Andy. And I'm looking... I'm keeping my eye out today because we, we do overlook the Thames. I'm looking... I'm keeping my eye out for the whale. 
the what, the thrilling whale that's uh, what is it? What sort of a whale is it? It's a humpback. Thrilling, it's a thrilling humpback. whale. Thrilled onlookers watched yesterday. Unlockers. Unlock. Unlockers. Unlockers. Thrilled unlockers. Locksmiths everywhere came down <laughs> to look great. at the whale. That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be the whole well, load of them. Whereabouts is it in the Thames? Uh, uh, I don't know exactly. Spotted off Essex. The chance yes, of it heading well, up well, you never to know. London Bridge yeah. is pretty remote, I would think. The experts reckon the whale could be up to thirty-three feet. Long yeah. the length of a London bus. Yeah. I don't know if they like buses. Will we get one and then another two will be following? Yeah, right. quite, that's nice. <laughs> I like the satire. I like the route you're going down. I thought you'd like. That. Yeah. And to last night. I wonder if anybody ever oh, says yeah. to uh, Vladimir Putin, "You've had some work done, haven't you?" <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you imagine? That's not moisturiser, mate. <laughs> no, I don't think they, they probably do. don't. They, they probably don't. No, no. no. Don't, oh, perhaps I should go in for a bit of that. I mean, he could be. We only ever see. I mean, he. Maybe they kind of treat the pictures of him. Maybe he looks like Sid James. <laughs> For real, but we only ever see sort of treated <laughs> pictures of him. He where he's looks nice smooth of face. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was just talking of smooth of face. That's and me not James getting wrinkles. a visa if I ever want to go no, back. No, that's there. very true, actually. Yeah. Uh, to uh, last night's uh, dinner where we honoured. Arsene Wenger. Not us. It wasn't just us to at a dinner no. to honour Arsene Wenger. <laughs> yeah, the, the likelihood of that happening is fairly remote. <laughs> I didn't put that in very well, did I? Yeah, just me and you. It, we had dinner and then we invited Arsene Wenger it was a, over. It was a brilliant evening. <laughs> no, it was a lovely. Evening. It was fantastic. And uh, mm. thanks to uh, Miles and Kieran and everybody at, uh, at Sports Interactive, the Championship Manager Boys, the Football Manager Boys, for inviting us along. Uh, to the do we go every year it's a top night well done to Jeff Shreves and all oh, the gang who put it together brilliant they night. raised over half a million quid for a mm. Nordorf Robbins a music therapy charity but to be honest Andy it was it was kind of my idea of hell in a good in the nicest really? possible oh no, of course of course yeah, it yeah. was a room full of <laughs> Arsenal legends <laughs> saluting another Arsenal legend yeah. showing goals against Tottenham on, on a loop I know uh, constantly and uh, <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's not an easy evening for no. me really well, it was, you know I, I try and leave my allegiances behind in these sort of evenings because in fact I had a cabbie on the way home George the cabbie wants me to say hello to him hello George and he was sort of having a go at us and I said no, look, don't do that he's a really lovely man he's he a is, really yeah. what he did for football was incredible sometimes you have to leave that tribal thing aside I remind you of this one well though. no you know look it was, I, I think Arsenal like, fans know how I feel about their club but I mean you've got to give credit where credit's due yeah. and Arsenal tremendous you know it was great to hear all these old players Ray Parler was very funny, did yeah, a very funny Telling bit. a few of the old uh, war stories about Arsene Wenger, yeah. And there was a brilliant thing. I mean, lots of people contribute. Asprey's the jeweller supplied these wonderful pins in the logo, and there were 49 of them, which they had to sell. Yeah. And to see Jeff, the way he sold them in about two minutes, and they were about 1,200 quid each, he raised 60 grand. Did you buy two? two? I didn't buy <laughs> I did actually was really honoured because um, one of my prints was in the uh, silent auction. Yeah, one of, your, one of your... And it got sold. One of your yeah. paintings. How much did it go for? Yeah. 500 quid in it. It's brilliant. Right. Well done, the person that, that uh, bought that. Was it, was, it signed? He was signed. Yes. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah. That's so excellent. Yeah. No, crack it yeah, even. Uh, well done. Uh, to everyone, look, well done to Arsene Wenger. And, uh, yeah, uh, nice to see Jamie Carragher. He was very nice about the show, very friendly. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. to see him. I saw a few of the... Uh, I saw a chat with Kevin Phillips and a few other people there. It's, uh, it was a fine, fine evening. Very good. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. So, um, Andy. Yes. What did Paul. you want to say? 
to well, the boys and girls at home. Over the years on this programme, we've including playing spoken disc records. We've always paid homage to the great cricket commentator John Arlott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always say all my impersonations have a John Arlott bass. They do have a John Arlott bass. They all sound yeah. a bit like my entire yeah. voice, in fact. Yeah. And uh, so I was intrigued on Saturday. I was looking at a match report came up on Twitter. Uh, Chelsea were playing Leicester City Youth, and Leicester City Youth have got a plan. Now I know players these days through you know, having different parents and people like two names and all these sort of things. There's a lot of double barrel footballers around. But this one intrigued me. It was Dempsey Arlett John. Dempsey Arlett John. That's his first name. Dempsey's his first name. Arlett John is his last name. I don't oh. know if he speaks like that, but I doubt it. Do you think other cricketers like that were saying like Alan uh, Dilshan <laughs> Tilly Karatney, for example? It's, he's probably not out there. He's probably not out there, is he? I wouldn't think. And uh, according to uh, Sun's Bazaar column this morning, Cardi B wore a revealing outfit at her latest uh, gig. Not a cardigan. Not a cardigan. I know. The, the thing <laughs> is, amazing, isn't it? <laughs> She's called Cardi B, and I've never seen her in a Cardi. Never wears a Cardi. In fact, I'm sure your old nan would say she looks like she could. She must be a bit cold up there. She's wearing next to nothing. Maybe someone should buy her a Cardi. Maybe someone could knit her a Cardi. That's a good idea. Now I need to look up because uh, I've got a match report. On the match that took place on Sunday, it was a great cause, actually, yeah. and uh, it was a charity match, and um, they asked me if I'd publicise it. It was Neil Humphreys, that's right, I've got it in front of me. And then I said, well, what are the teams called? He said, well, actually, funnily enough, it's going to be uh, Hawksby Rovers yeah. versus Jacobs United. And Hawksby thought, Rovers, Jacobs United. That's very flattering, Two really. fine teams, yeah. Yeah, and uh, basically it was uh, Jacobs United 3. Yeah. Hawksby Rovers, three. Oh, good, OK. Uh, Rovers, you'll be delighted to know, Paul won 5-4 on penalties. Oh, well done. Neil says, sorry, gaffer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happens, it was, uh, yes, yeah, so it gives me a lot of detail, but anyway, it was all, I've got to say happy birthday to uh, the referee, Rob Taylor, because it was his birthday, so he did a good job there, and they raised the money they needed, uh, 2,300 quid, so well done for everybody there, and yeah. uh, thanks for it involving It was uh, us. Game it was for brilliant. Tony, wasn't it? Uh, game that for was, Tony, That yeah. was it, so well done to everybody, and uh, well done under the Hawksby boys there for that that fine victory. Yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed, but I'll get over it. Yeah, you know, you'll bounce back, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, of the many Arsenal players there yesterday evening, I think Freddie Lundberg was there, wasn't he? Yes. And I suddenly said to everybody on the table, does anybody remember that... Uh, picture uh, of an event that Freddie turned up uh, to uh, with an Alsatian wearing a bandana. This was the Alsatian <laughs> wearing the bandana. <laughs> Freddie. And uh, surprisingly, uh, most people said, you've made that up. That's not true. <laughs> so I immediately took, uh, to, and there it was, I found the picture. Oh, yeah. Of, remember this one of uh, Freddie Lundberg turning up at a do in his civvies oh, yeah, with, a, with a, a quite an elderly looking Alsatian <laughs> wearing a Stars and Stripes bandana. Usually one of those for your dog, Molly. That would look tremendous. Yeah, yeah she's, she's not a bandana type of girl. She's a bandana type of girl, right? Doesn't really, okay, well, she fair enough. wouldn't really. last very long, I don't think. That'd get chewed up. And uh, although Batchwise uh, being played for Chelsea, he scored a lovely goal. Scored a good goal the other day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Why is he being blamed for? No, he hasn't been blamed for anything. Uh, there's just a, said, no, you just no. said he's being blamed. Didn't no, no, I said. Uh, he, there's a. Uh, I can't remember what I said now. <laughs> Do you want to play it back to me? <laughs> really? he's you said he's being, he's, he's being blamed by Chelsea. He's not being blamed for anything. Okay, right. Fair well, enough. We'll stop saying that. Stop blaming him for <laughs> things he hasn't done. But he is being linked to Crystal Palace. They're going to make oh, a, okay. a new bid for him in January. So you wonder if there's anything stirring there. What do you think he's playing, with, uh, playing for the move? 
Well, I don't know. With Zaha, mm. there's, I suppose there's something possible there. But yeah. at the moment, he seems to be doing quite well. Apparently, Toby Alderweireld has turned up at the Belgian camp and has said to the press that being away from Tottenham for a week or so is a nice change of scenery. Well, oh, I mean, keep, keep help, playing if they have been playing. A few of them can, you know, like Izmir, the Turkish second division. <laughs> be a nice change of scene, scenery, oh, Toby, I would imagine. That is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean, he probably just means they just get a chance to clear their heads. And I was interested in that. I'm enjoying Johnny Fordham's column. <laughs> Excuse me, I do beg him. I've still got this terrible cold. Poor Sam Underhill. Uh, this is the, one of the England players. Yeah. Uh, he's basically got a WhatsApp group. And uh, Willie Hines, one of the fellow players, says, Sam's been trying really hard to set up his own special social committee group where he adds us all into the WhatsApp group and we all immediately leave. I think that's really harsh, isn't it? It sounds like, not like bullying, but it does sound like they're really having a go at him. I think the kids call it bench, don't they? Is it just, just winding up. It's not bullying, is it, Andy? Well, uh, don't start escalating and a non-situation. feel bad, wouldn't he? I think I'd feel bad if I tried to set up a group here and you all kept yeah, leaving. They, they know he's so desperate to do it. So they keep leaving because it winds him up. Yes, I suppose. I doubt if he's in his room crying. Well, he might be. <laughs> he won't be. Oh, <laughs> you're such a snowflake, Andy. Me. It's uh, a... <laughs> uh, Hawksby and Jacobs here I've on Talk I've never been described as that ever. <laughs> um... The, the wonderful world of lost footballs. Have you ever seen have you ever seen a, just a, a forlorn-looking football lying there, punched and alone oh, in, yeah, in a puddle? We all yeah. have, haven't we? Yeah, it's a sort of poignant well, sight. Yeah, the people of uh, lost footballs have turned it into an art form and they'll be uh, joining us. They bring out a calendar mm. every year, raising money for a good cause. And uh, Matthew Lutz from Lost Footballs... Lot, yeah, joins us in the studio to... I was going to say lost footballers then. <laughs> the idea of a lost footballer lying forlornly in a puddle. You don't that, do you? So uh, anyway, that's all to come. Do you... Do yes. you remember uh, Mark Marquez, the uh, MotoGP uh, champion, seven times champion? I think yeah, he, he came in. Well, he, he came was in. Bit, he was a bit late in the studio. That's it wasn't right. really his fault. I had to play the part of Mark Marquez. Yeah, that's I right. didn't do a very good job, if I remember rightly. No. And eventually he came. He was a lovely fellow. So I was relieved to see that he mm. escaped a really terrible crash on the weekend. Oh, really? A big accident, but. Uh, Fortunately, he was okay, and in that way that you wonder how they ever can when they come off their bikes at that speed. Yeah. But well, that's good to hear. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Do you remember what it's like being in your twenties? I sometimes look back at that period of my life and laugh just as much as I cringe. If you do the same, then you've got to watch Queenie, the new original series on Hulu. Who is Queenie? Queenie is a twenty-something-year-old living in London. She's facing all the firsts. First major heartbreak, first shitty apartment and soul-sucking job, first therapy session to work through those mommy issues. Can she turn her quarter-life crisis into a revolution? Maybe. Will she make some questionable decisions along the way? Definitely. All episodes of Queenie premiere June 7th, streaming on Hulu. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique, and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. 
Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. I suppose if it stands to reason, if you come from a country like Canada or Austria or Norway or the USA, where mm. there's a bit more snow about in certain places, you're going to produce more uh, top-level skiers, which obviously puts uh, people from, uh, say, Bridlington or uh, mm. Wolverhampton at a disadvantage. Right disadvantage. But, uh, of course, uh, that doesn't mean we've not had fantastic skiers, and one of them joins us in the studio now, uh, former Winter Olympian uh, and TV presenter, of course, uh, Graham Bell. Good to see Hi, you, Graham. How are you doing? You all right? Uh, your, your survey um, suggests that, that that could change, though. The amount of Brits still continuing to ski and taking their families and their young kids is on the increase, which means that maybe there'll be a bigger talent pool to draw from. Well, yeah, that's what it's all about. And Club Med did a survey today and they produced the figures that, that more people are skiing and snowboarding than ever before and skiing and, and doing it as a family. And, you know, that's how me and my brother learned to ski. I was five, M Martin was six. We actually learned in Scotland on uh, home snow, mm. if you like. We were living in Edinburgh at the time, so we had hill end dry slope as well, which is really important. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, if you look at the, the current crop of uh, British athletes that, you know, represented... Team GB in Pyeongchang. A lot of them started, you know, in home, you know, homegrown. Like uh, Dave Riding was from Pendle Dry Slope in Lancashire. Mm. Uh, Billy Morgan learnt to snowboard on, on Southampton Dry Slope, which is like the size of a postage stamp, Maybe a bit bigger than that. But yeah. uh, but that's you know, it's homegrown talent, and it's uh, you know we've proved that we can uh, you know get through and compete with the best in the world. The increasing amount mm. of sort of snow domes around the country yeah, as well have, that that must help yeah. because there there's, there's a lot around there, aren't there? Yeah, country? yeah, we've got five uh, indoor snow centres. We kind of need more, ideally. It would be great to have, uh, you know, larger larger indoor facilities. Mm. Uh, there's bigger ones out in uh, Germany, in Holland, uh, Belgium. We've got quite a big indoor snow centre. It's a big one in Dubai, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> of course. Of course there is, The yeah. biggest in the world, of course, is in Dubai. Yeah, yeah, yeah great. Yeah. Yeah. What about, is there one in Telford? I think I remember going there once, doing a piece Did of you, it. No, there's quite a lot. There are, yes, there's, there's a definitely a dry slope in Telford. Yeah. And I think there was a there was one of the, the very first indoor snow facilities was, was in Telford. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty and sure. And uh, Tamworth was the, was the first largest one to open up. Mm. And it's interesting because Ski Sunday is massively popular still, hasn't it? It's always been, it's been going since 1978. So there's obviously a love, a British love of skiing. I suppose it's just like Paul says, it's the availability. Yeah, and uh, that's the thing, and that's the, the thing that the res this report said, is that uh, that people who've booked skiing holidays don't want to give up on that uh, on that trip. Uh, it's it's a kind of bug. Once it bit, bites you, it's kind of with you, and you don't really want to give it up, and you tend to pass it on to your children. So you end up with kind of three generations you know i've seen families three generations all skiing together you know mm. grandkids and you know and everyone out you know enjoying the, the mountains and you don't get that on a on a kind of summer holiday yeah, i mean, I mean the, the world is generally quite risk averse isn't it so it's good that this is still happening but i mean i would imagine that school skiing trips are probably not quite as uh, frequent as they used to be, simply because well, of the, the health and safety concerns. It is harder because you've got to have more teachers per uh, per pupil, but uh, it's still quite popular for the teachers. Yeah. And if the teachers want to go, then they'll find a way of organising a school trip. And so there are, that you know, if you go out to, you know, the certain operators that do you know, lots and lots of uh, school holidays, uh, school trips, and, you know, you do see them out there. 
and you know they make it affordable and they make it uh, you know accessible. Mm. What, what's their, their funding situation like for for skiers in this country? Is it difficult? Um, well, actually, no. Um, the skiers and snowboarders, um, the park and pipe. So basically, the freestyle skiers and the snowboarders uh, got lottery funding a, a few years ago ahead of Sochi, mm. and then converted with. Uh, a bronze medal and Jenny Jones won her medal. Oh, yeah. And then uh, there was more funding then for the next uh, Olympic cycle and Billy Morgan and uh, Izzy Atkin won medals. So that funding is continuing and you know, Dave Riding uh, on Alpine is, is is getting some money from the lottery. They, they, they've kind mm. of started to do this kind of talented individual program as well. So there, there is ways of picking up, um, picking up support. And, you know, it's... It's also a big industry as well. It's the great thing about uh, skiing and snowboarding is that uh, there's an industry behind it as well. And we've got the, the Ski and Snowboard Festival in Battersea Park. It's going to be taking place in about uh, two weeks' okay. time. Yeah, the kit's nice, isn't it? All yeah. Stuff that you can wear. I, I went skiing once in in Aviemore in the Cairngorms, and it, it, it's got the facilities, you can all that, except it hasn't got the weather. That is the slight it's problem, isn't Yeah, it? it's good. Yeah, I mean, there's no such thing as bad weather, only... Um, the wrong clothing or the wrong attitude. Oh, it, was, it was pretty bad. You had a bad experience, though, Andy. Didn't well, you? well yes. we used to get when we were kids. We used to open our jackets up and get blown back up the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Andy got left uh, on the mountain by his dad and his older brother, clearly trying to tell him something. They did. They skied <laughs> off. Yeah, and just left trauma. Me. Yeah. It's a childhood trauma. He's never it quite got over it. I've never, to be honest, I've been, ev- been, I've been all around the world. I've been everywhere skiing, but I've never experienced wind like on the top of Cairngorm Mountain. I know my wow. gloves blew away, so I, I, I ended yeah. up in the ski hut hanging onto the pipe in the toilet. It was quite a terrible, <laughs> scarring experience that I'll never that's get over. Strangely <laughs> hilarious. I tell you thing I do like when I'm watching either Ski Sunny or I'm watching Eurosport. I love the noise they make when they go. You know that thing where they go hop, hop, hop. You know when they go down and then you hear the bells, the bells clanging. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. Great atmosphere. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Uh, ski ski races is a brilliant atmosphere, and you know you go to a race like the night slalom in Schladming. And, you know, like in most sporting facilities now in the UK and most sporting events, they try and kind of minimise the, the the drinking and the kind of boisterous behaviour. But in Schladming, they deliberately park all the fans on one side of town, walk them through the middle of town. There is kind of sausage stalls, schnapp stalls, mm. beer halls. They do all of this walk. It's about a mile through town. They get to the ski race. They watch the first run. They stagger back into town. They go back up to the second run. And by the time they leave at about, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning, the party goes on. The race finishes at about 10, 30, 11. Yeah. The party goes on till two in the morning. They all stagger to their coaches and go home. And it's, it's if you've been to a sporting event in the UK and you go to this the night slalom in Austria, it's, it's chalk and tea. Yeah. It's something you... That's you quite fun. I, I did notice on a, a fairly uh, recent trip, the last time I went with some mm. of my friends for a, a, a birthday do, that the kind of boozing to skiing ratio dropped as the days went on. So got a full day in on the first day. <laughs> Second day, oh, we, we finished slightly earlier. Third yeah. day, lunchtime. Yeah, yeah. That's enough. That's we, we can't do any more. Do you like the one, the cross-country one, where they get they end up shooting, you know, that one? Biathlon. Yeah. Biathlon. yeah. My, well, that That'd be good in a snow dome. That would be great. You can't <laughs> biathlon in a snow dome, can you? Yeah, really? there's no app-brain in biathlon, is there? <laughs> no. You're yeah. too, you're too <laughs> And France is the number one destination for Brits, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it still is. It yeah. still is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of got that... Uh, 
um, snowshore, high altitude, um, mm. and that's what the you know that's what the report is still yeah. saying. Is and but six percent. I mean, America had some great skiing in the states. Ten percent, but six percent went off to Japan to try there. Right? Well, yeah, Japan is uh, is like the mecca for powder skiing because right. um, what happens is the cold air comes down over kind of Siberia, crosses over uh, Beijing, and it crosses the Sea of Japan, and then just dumped uh, all the moisture it picks up, then just gets dumped on Japan, mm. and. And so some of the the record powder. If you if, if you're into powder skiing, then the snowfalls up and yeah. So the northern island of of Japan is uh, Hokkaido. So up on mm. Hokkaido, uh, there's a there's a volcano called Niseka that, that just gets ridiculous snowfall. And you can go up. You do you ski a run. You go back up, and you know take the 20 minutes it's taken you to get back up, and your tracks are been covered over. Yeah, wow. I was like, didn't we just come down this way? It's like, snowed <laughs> so much. They're all and you're covered. still skiing, presumably, regularly. Yeah, every yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it. And I, um, obviously, I get to do Ski Sunday. Mm. And one of the things I do for Ski Sunday is I ski down the course uh, oh, yeah, prior yeah, to the race yeah. with a yeah. camera. Mm. So I need to be in reasonable shape. Mm. And uh, I need to get some ski legs in before I do that because it's not something you can just kind of, no. you know, walk off and do. Because you're doing 70 miles an hour. So you don't want things to go wrong <laughs> no obviously <laughs> uh, well good to see you Graham yeah, thank you very much for coming yeah, in telling us all you. about it yeah. Graham Bell there uh, on the uh, the future of skiing maybe yeah all these people going on these trips will start to convert into medals the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Hawksby Andy Jacobs uh, here on TalkSport. We'll be chatting about one of the greatest uh, gymnasts you've never heard of, quite possibly, a little bit later on. But before that, Chris Packer makes a welcome return to the studio. Good to see you, Chris. Yeah, you. Thank How you. How are you? We will, we will touch on Saints later on. Um, but before Ooh. that, um, we're going to talk about energy efficiency. Uh, you've been looking into uh, kind of some research into this and that, yeah. people's attitudes towards it. That's right. I mean, we all know we're facing a climate and climate uh, and environment emergency and that we've got to do things we've got to change our minds and change our practices to make a difference so that we can continue to live on this planet not just us but all other life as well um, we found that there was one thing missing from the conversation only three percent of the conversations had by politicians you know media people radio tv and also on social media that were addressing climate change were talking about energy efficiency mm. and it's an easy win to be quite honest with you one of the, probably the last easy wins as we move to meet uh, towards meeting those targets that the government have set of you know zero carbon emissions by 2050 or extinction rebellion want them by 2025 labor 2030 so we've clearly got to make some progress there and the thing about energy efficiency is that we can play a role in it it's not necessarily a job that we're going to have to delegate to our politicians as we know they're not embracing the urgency of this issue as much as we'd like but by installing a smart meter in your home mm. you can manage your own energy efficiency potentially saving yourself some money up to 200 pounds a year but the neat thing about these smart meters is that these sophisticated new pieces of technology feedback information which will allow us to develop the foundations of a smart energy network so that we can better manage our energy in the future so that's where we generate electricity you know when we generate it how we integrate renewable energy into that and also how we stop the wastage of energy you know during the transmission from the source of generation to where we use it in our homes and mm. there's no doubt we're going to be using a lot more electricity electric cars heat pumps so on and so forth so these little gadgets are part of a whole suite of technologies which we can use ourselves we can make a difference the climate often seems like something that's beyond the scope of us as individuals to have any impact upon but this would set the uk on the route to a smart energy system in the future and that would mean that just 
you and I and your listeners, if we got these smart meters in, could address no less than 11%. It's an enormous amount when mm. you think about it, of those carbon emission targets by 2050. So it's one of the last easy wins and it's a win-win-win. You can win by saving yourself some money. You can win by helping the UK develop this smart energy system which we need to do and the planet can win because we'll be addressing this critical issue. The, the rollout of smart meters has, has been maybe slower than everybody thought. It's been a choice, isn't it, effectively? I mean, do you think there should be it should become something that, that your energy provider insists that you have? And can, can they even do that? Well, the, the, the rollout of smart meters across Europe has been done in different ways. In some countries, they've done it as a mandatory thing that you don't have any choice. In the UK, with our broad uh, section of, of suppliers, there's been a different system. Mm. The first ones that rolled out were, were working there were issues with those that's we can put that in the past now the new generations of these is even more sophisticated and they are available um there are a tiny fraction of people in the uk that won't be able to use one basically if you're living in a cave on a mountain north of scotland (laughs) you're not going to get a signal out of there but the vast majority of us are going to be able to use these things and they are only one email or a phone call away to your your service provider Mm. so it's definitely something that's worth doing i mean i've been using one for the last 12 years Um, Mine's quite didactic. So basically, if, if I walk into the house of an afternoon, put the TV on, start doing some hoovering, on goes the washing machine, the dryer, this, that and the other, it pretty much tells me that I'm being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> because we do have a choice as to when we use energy yeah. in terms of its cost and availability. But it's not just about us. It is about that broader network. Because unfortunately, with our outdated energy system that we have at the moment, we're wasting a lot of energy, not necessarily in our homes where we manage it, but the system itself can't cope. And we need to renew and revitalize that system yeah okay well interesting stuff i mean there'll mm. be people out there that don't necessarily agree with the, the tactics of extinction rebellion but i don't think they can have any argument uh that uh, th- there is climate change well one or two people do certainly yeah, I was say in to you, why, high office why in do you think states. there is this denial of climate change from some people well i think that you know without being cynical or, or, or going for con- you know conspiracy theories they're, they're vested interest at mm. uh, play and we know that some of the people that are the principal contributors to climate change at this point in time are extremely wealthy and extremely powerful and their industries are entrenched and they are rather selfishly thinking that they can play out their, the rest of their lives continuing to make a profit from from that practice but look everyone else is waking up to the fact that we have to change one of the most difficult things that we face is changing our minds you know what we're like we're not very good at that some of us adapt quite quickly some don't but if you can't change your mind you can't change the world mm-hmm. and quite clearly as you'll see on the streets of London, people are waking up to the fact that we have to change the world for the better. Yeah. I, mean, I suppose in, in the nature of the work you do, you see, you kind of see those changes firsthand from kind of, in very, in very kind of small cases maybe, uh, with wildlife in this country to kind of huge global issues as well. So you're seeing it up close and personal. Yeah, really, I do. And, and a lot of people expect me to be pessimistic because during my lifetime, I've very you know, clearly noted declines. They've been measured, they've been peer-reviewed and published. We know that since, you know, 1970, we've lost 90 million birds from the UK countryside. We've lost 50% of the world's wildlife, Mm. and that's in my lifetime. But, you know, I'm quite optimistic because alongside all of those declines, we've been investing in scientists and engineers to come up with a whole toolkit of solutions, smart meters just being one of those, which if we were to be implementing them now, more broadly and more urgently, we would be going a long way to prevent some of the 
problems that we're going to face in the in the future which if we don't we're going to end up trying to cure them and as we know cure is a lot more painful than prevention sure and you know and given that we are meant to be smart adaptable intelligent species you would think that our elected leaders would be taking this issue a lot more serious than they are they're not and on that account the non-violent direct action of extinction rebellion is something that garners my support you know they're dramatizing this issue so it has to be from, uh, confronted they're generating a degree of tension which means that it can't be ignored they are doing their duty as global citizens to try and wake the rest of the world up to the fact that we're in deep trouble oh, no, i think they have to be careful though too i mean the one last week where they just sprayed red paint everywhere i didn't think that was particularly clever i don't think that was particularly the fake blood at the, at, yeah. the, at the treasury I, you know the, you, you, you want to take people with you not alienate people i always think if, if you want change if you really want to move towards change you know, and the way you're doing it in a kind of reasonable way rather than sort of doing something like that which kind of browbeats people over the head and then forces people to, to you know rail up against it a little bit i think i think i couldn't agree with you more i think it's essential that they obviously remain non-violent and peaceful they've got to gather public support not alienate that public i think equally they need to be you know inventive and creative in terms of what they do you can't put a boat in the middle of oxford street more than once it was a novel idea the pink mm. boat once you, you can't do it again mm. so the challenge for extinction rebellion going forward will be to do exactly what you say um i do think though that they have to get the balance right between you know a certain amount of shock if you i mean that was pretty punk rock to be quite honest mm. with you and you're talking to an old punk rocker here <laughs> so you know I, I think a certain amount of shock to you know and an element of underlying fear you know is probably important because people are complacent in the uk we're living in a little bit of a cozy bubble when it comes to climate change i see it in the natural world i see it measured i can report mm. all the details to you but in, you only have to turn on the news to see that climate change is not only hurting people it's killing people around the world their homes are being burned their you know their their, their land is being flooded um, so at the moment, it's not hurting us, you know, for a real sense of urgency to be it, it, to be instilled. And that's why I think that some of those types of protests, as long as they're not all like that, as long mm. as some of those types of protests, as long as they're imaginative and there's no long term damage to the building, I think it's all been washed off. Um, I, I think that. You know, I, I wouldn't. A bit. I, I don't mind a bit of performance art. <laughs> Just in a, almost in a word, Southampton. How are you feeling about life as a Southampton? Listen, I'm going to really disappoint you guys now. I don't know. You're going to. I'm going to be drummed out of the studio. You're never going to have You've me back. You've not been keeping in touch. I've kind of given up football after that oh, European really? Championship final <laughs> because frankly I was so shocked and appalled by the quality of that game and it came we were in the middle of spring watch mm. and, and I was really tired and some of the guys you know said you've got to come and watch this game you've got to come and watch well, this game the semi-finals have been so wonderful exactly yeah. Yeah. but the palpable disappointment of the performance of those two teams and also at a time when you know we're making somewhat of a spectacle of ourselves politically I just sort of thought we don't, they're laughing at us politically we don't don't need the rest of the world laughing at our footballers. I mean, it was pretty poor. So I've sort of thought, I went next door, I deleted all the apps off my phone, and I thought, I'm going to just take a break. I'll take a break until I can reaffirm my faith in football. So go on, give me a Southampton update. Maybe it's time. Oh, they, they, they lost 4-1 on Sunday. But yeah, they did lose it to, to If I don't mention board. Curious Creatures, My Wife Will Kill Me, it's one of her favourite programmes. It's your quiz show that you're on about oh, yes, yes. Yeah. animals and the natural world. It is a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Now, we enjoyed making that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. 
podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That's this That's afternoon's it. show. A man mentally scarred by being That's it. I've never left. recovered. I do love that image of you with your arms in the air on the hot pipe after your gloves blew off. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Even though you could have got frostbite and lost all your fingers. Yes. It, the fact you didn't makes it funny. Well, that's true. Yeah. Uh, you're not here tomorrow, are you? I'm not, but no. I'll be back Thursday. We've got um, stunt riding in during the show in the studio. That's more a visual thing, surely. But anyway, <laughs> we'll we'll describe it on the radio. Charlie Baker will be here, and uh, he'll be probably looking back on a, a heavy defeat to talk here at Ebbsfleet this evening. We'll find out, of course, tomorrow when Charlie is here. Uh, have a fine evening. Producer's face. <laughs> <laughs> have a fine evening. Producer's going as well, of course. I'm going 3 0 Ebbsfleet. No, no, I think Talkie will win and make his £17 entry fee worthwhile. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops, if we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.